Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to Toonami Preflight. Uh, as you can see, that's not Jason. That's what? Dennis. Hello, hello. Jason was unable to come, so Dennis came fresh from a sports bitches record, red-eyed in, came for the record and is leaving again today. So thank you, Dennis, for great being to, here. Great to be here. Great to uh, see everybody um, for like five seconds. If you, coming for a little what tsunami. Was, so you, Dennis has done a few segments for Preflight over the years. You did a record with Steve for a bloom room and you guys played miniature golf yeah that was actually the first time meeting steve ever we've worked together that was the first for, time you'd met him yeah crazy for 20 years almost we'd worked together and i'd talk to this guy on the phone for ever and then uh yeah i hadn't met him it? until when we came back on the air and he came for momocon i think it was that was the first time i'd met him so i talked to him for <laughs> it's so funny because you just know him so well and i was like oh yeah and then you just finally don't totally. ever never see him. It was weird. So I just went to his house, and then we did a little segment. And then you did, um, what'd you call your Love Actually segment? Oh, uh, Die Actually. Die Actually. Yeah. And you've done, have you done any, didn't you do a I Am Dennis? Yeah, I think piece so. Piece of what yeah. you, so Dennis is a long time <laughs> Toonami employee, but lives out on the West Coast, so he gets very little shine, but was kind enough to fly in. When did you first start Toonami? Oh, one? Yep. Do you oh, remember? It was 2000. 2000? That's when I started, yep. That's when I came back from, I was in Colorado then, working for Stars, <laughs> Encore, movie channels, movies, movies, movies. And then uh, I got called, Jason called me back and said, hey, Toonami. And I said, yes. And then I immediately left and came back. And then I was here from then till, what, 2009? And then I went to England. And now I'm back again. Nice. So cool. it's been uh it's been a it's been a you know, it's been a ride, but I've never left Tsunami far from my heart. That is the cheesiest shit I think I've ever heard Dennis ever say. That's right. But that's very sweet. <laughs> uh, so today we are going to be going through Paste magazine's list of the top hundred anime of all time. And today we are talking The Tale of Princess Kaguya, um, which is sixties ish. We never really just going to jumping around. Uh, it's not the most set in stone philosophy. We sort of look and see what we can. Yeah, watch. what did they have? Like sixty two or sixty? Yeah, I think it's like sixty five, four, seven, somewhere in that range. Mid sixties. Uh, came out in twenty thirteen. Studio Ghibli movie um, from Takahata, who directed Grave of the Fireflies and Pompoko and My My Neighbors Yamada's, um, and he hadn't made a movie in. I think they said it was like 15 years or 14 years or something. Um, he hadn't directed one. He'd worked on all the long-term Studio Ghibli movies. He was in, started at Toei with, um, back in the 70s uh, and then moved over to Ghibli shortly thereafter. So his – they were saying that um, My Neighbor the Yamadas was sort of the movie that kind of almost broke 
Ghibli They're saying that, that this, they did it. You know, he wanted to do it all hand drawn, and that's not the way they did stuff. Yeah, he wanted instead of doing cell animation, he wanted to look more like watercolors and have it be drawn on and look have a different look. And it was so, uh, my neighbor's Yamada's was all was the first computer driven digital movie that Ghibli had done, and so. They then built a new studio for him for Tale of Princess Kaguya. It was Studio 7. We're like, okay, you do your thing. We're going to do our thing <laughs> and let us know when you're right. done. One studio is going into the future with yeah. uh, digital technology. The other one's going backwards. But um, the result was an amazing movie. Um, it's uh, the tale. It's a, what is it? The uh, Bamboo Cutter is the Yeah, the Tale of the folk, Bamboo Cutter is the folk tale. tale that it's based on. And... Um, it's an amazing looking. I mean, and as far as an artistic accomplishment, it's it's uh, unparalleled in an anime. You don't see this kind of you know um, style ever. I guess because it's too expensive. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's it there's a really five cool years documentary that if you get the Blu-ray, it comes with the the Blu-ray disc, which you can find. It's on iTunes, and I'm sure it's a million illegal places too. Um, <laughs> But they go through – there's two documentaries It's or two parts. So it's one that's the sort of early phases of the movie and then one that's later on. And it's over the course of the eight years that they made it. Um, eight years. And so his process was sort of – he was calling it trial and error. And um, Joe Hisashi, the music composer, ended up – are we supposed – are we still here? I don't know what happened. Our screen went black. I don't know if we're overall continuing to talk. Uh, the red light's Some, still on, so I guess maybe... We're going to keep going. Yeah. And then we'll see. We'll just keep uh, talking about it. Um, so Joe Hisashi, the music composer, described it as, instead of trial and error, it was process of elimination. That it was... Do we know what Evan's password is when it's coming across? Sweet. Um, hey... Maybe that was all fixed by the time you at the uh, streaming audience sees, but if not, then <laughs> nobody's perfect. So be it. Um, he described it as process of elimination. So it would be they would draw the backgrounds in watercolor, and then they would – all the animators were basically – every time they interview any of the animators, they're like, this is not the way we've ever done things before. <laughs> and they're being super polite, but it's basically like, we don't know what the hell's going on. So they were animating through what normally would be cleaned up in the animation process. So the ending look is like what you can see here, where it's it feels simultaneously kind of rough and also super fluid. It's a really amazing looking... There, there are just segments in the movie that seem like they were just put in as roughs. Like, I did this sketch test, and they just left the test in there. They yeah, didn't, so they, it's it was, not cleaned up. It's just like there's... They a, were finishing it in that look. In that style of just yeah. a, a finished in a rough look. It's weird. You, if you see it, you'll just be like, is that done? Is yeah. it not done? And there are sections of the movie that look really, really, like, fine. And then other parts where it's just like a bunch of scribbles. It's still amazing, yeah. but it's just like... It's... You know, it's just unconventional yeah, way to Yeah, his thinking was... Not everything needs to look super finished, and you can sort of fill in, in your imagination, other parts. So, it was, Which is an odd for Ghibli to, you know, they're so into the detail and the, you know, the drops of water and the finest, yeah. fine details. Every color, like, you know, perfect. And then he comes along and is like, you know what, we're just going to, you know, change yeah, it the, up a little bit. The background animator, uh, the key animator was saying that the feeling that they were talking about was that 
a lot of the background animations in other movies had gotten too precise. There was too much detail. And he was like, so I thought this was going to be really easy. I would just <laughs> do the watercolor paintings. Looks. And he's like, it was not very easy. Um, the backgrounds are incredible, though. Each each one is like a still watercolor. And then they've animated on top of that, which is like yeah. the characters kind of walking through or just kind of it's it's simplified. But it still looks amazing. Um, at one point in the documentary, it's towards the end. So the wind rises originally was actually in the beginning. Princess Kaguya was going to come out before the wind rises, and then they would, were like, "Okay, now we're going to do a simultaneous release." And then they're like, "Okay, now we're going to put out the wind rises and <laughs> Princess Kaguya come out at some point in the future." So Takahata's over at Miyazaki's house after Miyazaki's announced that he was going to retire. And they're basically just sort of bullshitting around. And Miyazaki's like, so are the visuals all done with the movie? And one of the other guys is there is like, no, no, no. And he's like, yeah, well, I think we've got 40% more to go. And Miyazaki's Jeez. like, what the fuck? 40% more. Um, <laughs> but the end result is amazing. Uh, we've got the trailer for the English dub version here. So uh, let's check out the trailer and you can see some of what we're talking about. Do I finally remember why I came here? So, yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty amazing. Uh, James Kahn as the voice of the dad is a little bit <laughs> on the edge for me. <laughs> I just can't not hear James Kahn as uh, someone else in it. But, you know, playing it this character is a little bit. <laughs> breaks you out of the moment a little it too does much. does a little bit. But everyone else, um, Chloe was really great as the princess. And, uh, you know, all the other. There's actually a lot of well-known. Uh, they always do this. Yeah. They always get prime American voice talents to take these big roles and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not so great yeah this one's pretty good i mean as a dub. yeah i mean even james con after like the first 20 minutes it's like all right right I, i've accepted you as this <laughs> strange <laughs> japanese it, man it's cool to watch the, the movie dad. again after seeing the documentary because you can see when you're going through there's they're so tortured over uh scenes and decisions and you're just like what are you doing like just because like <laughs> There's a scene where they're talking about um, the colorization. They're not keeping it consistent all the way through. And the people who are coloring the movie are just like, this is not the way we normally do this right. either. Um, it had to have been and a huge shakeup for the studio just to be like, here's yeah, – don't do anything you like. That you you've ever do. done before. Here's a tried and true way that we've done things forever. Years. And now don't do any of that. But it's great. Um, so highly recommend. It's well worth watching. Uh, seeing it. And it, like I said, if you see the documentary, it's cool to see the movie again so i'll check the docs when i get back yeah back to the west um so in a somewhat ham-fisted transition into our question of the week <laughs> uh we were choosing some of our favorite movie fairy tales favorite fairy tale movies rather um and princess Kaguya is not exactly a fairy tale but it's it's a folk tale and it's kind of like it's sometimes close. moving it's on they close. got princesses and we figured fuck it we're just moving on <laughs> um so I'll start with my picks. First for me is Matthew Vaughn's 2007 movie Stardust, which was an adaptation of the Neil Gaiman novel of the same name. Um, I like the book better than I like the movie, but I still like the movie a lot. Um, the basic idea is that there's this town called Wall 
that's near a magical magical kingdom called Stormhold, and they sort of coexist near each other, but there's not much crossing over between the two. Um, I always do this wrong. Oh, I did it right that time. So that's Tristan. <laughs> um, I'm slowly becoming a better weather person as oh, we yeah, do our green screen, <laughs> but I have to think about it every time. Um, so I've the- only ever seen this movie once, and... Uh, I remember it was it was when I first came out, yeah. and I was like, "What is this?" And then I was pleasantly surprised by it because I went into it kind of like, "I don't know about this." Part of the reason, full disclosure, why we picked favorite fairy tale movies was just to see Dennis's reaction to several different <laughs> fairy tale movies. So we'll see how that continues as we go along. Um, but like I said, I do like the book better than I like the movie, but the movie's good. It's like a good combination of. Sweetness and also um, a little bit of scariness, but there's also a lot of Neil Gaiman humor that comes across from the book into the movie. So Tristan uh, is he goes over from Wall into Stormhold, which you're not supposed to be able to do, to find a fallen star who is Claire Danes, um, the king of the ki- of the magical kingdom. Stormhold is dying, and he's choosing his heir amongst his so- somewhat dickish sons. So he throws. It's a ruby, I think. He throws it up into the sky and he tells them, whoever finds the ruby first will be my heir. And he hits a star and knocks it down. And that's Claire Danes as the falling star. So Tristan tells his girlfriend or the woman that he wants to be his girlfriend, oh, I'll just run over and get that fallen star real fast and bring it back for you. And she's like, what? Are you out of your fucking mind? Uh, and the movie sort of goes from there. And so pe- different people are trying to find Claire Danes as the fallen star for various reasons. And then it's also trying to crown the new king of Stormhold. So let's check out the trailer for Stardust, and they probably do a slightly better job of explaining the movie than I just did. I know what you are. Get him. It's just you and me now. Not for long. Hold me tight and think of home. I think I did actually a better job. Of yeah, I don't. I mean, that seemed a bit trailer. confusing, and I, I always thought it was like Peter Pan in space when I first <laughs> saw it. I was like, "What is this Stardust? Is like Hook is kind of going to fly in? Yeah, Pan Dust. Yeah, it seemed a bit like you know." Pantages, but I like but, that movie. Uh, I, yeah, I should look at it again actually because it's been so Give long. Give some fresh eyes. I will have a look at it. Matthew Vaughn in his early dewy-eyed greatness. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of which, my next pick is Tim Burton's 1990 Edward Scissorhands, which is really more of a modern fairy tale. Um, this has a different title, probably in knows. other places. That's true, but we're not going to talk about that one right now. Um, so. If you're not familiar with Edward Scissorhands, you... I almost said it just out of pure <laughs> reflex. Um, this is Tim Burton, and early on, this was a story that he dreamed up as a kid, and then after his success with Batman, uh, they were basically like, do whatever you want to do, and so it ended up being this movie. So Vincent Price plays an inventor in his final role before Vincent Price, rest his soul, departed the earth. Um, plays an inventor who creates Edward and uh, is raising him as his son, and uh, Vincent Price dies before he's able to finish Edward's hands and give him real hands. So it's sort of a 
kind of a Pinocchio Geppetto story, but um, with deadly scissors for hands. So he, Edward ends up living in this uh, creepy old mansion for a long time. And uh, Diane West, who plays the mom of the family that later on he goes to live with, is an Avon, like, door-to-door makeup salesperson. And she goes up to the house and finds Edward, brings him back, and uh, they just are like, yeah, no, I mean, some people just have scissors for hands, so it's cool. Like, (laughs) we'll just raise you as our own child. So he's very much a fish out of water. He's a very sweet-natured, innocent, doesn't understand how the world works, and some people gravitate towards that and some people take advantage of that and so Winona Ryder is their daughter and Anthony Michael Hall as he started to bulk up in his Johnny (laughs) Be Good days uh, plays her dick boyfriend Um, so without totally ruining the movie as it goes along there's somewhat of a love story that takes place uh, and this is actually a scene from Edward Scissorhands that sort of gives you both uh, sides of how people are viewing Edward Edward Scissorhands as both sort of a positive figure and then also a little bit scary uh, as well. So let's check out this scene. It's just a scratch, Jim, really. It's okay. No big deal. Touch again and I'll kill you. No, it's no big deal. It's just Call a doctor. He's skewered, Kim. No. Stay away from her, okay? I mean it. You can't touch anything without destroying it. Who the hell do you think you are? You've been hanging around here anyway, huh? I want you to sit right down wait for me to bring you some ice cream. Stay right there. Right there. On Christmas Day in the morning. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out. Go, freak. Hey, Edward, where are you going? Kind of an odd ending to the clip, but I think eventually they decided to stop playing it for where we stole that. Um, but Edward Scissorhands, if you haven't seen it, is a really great movie, and it's feels now like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp have done that sort of director characterization a lot of times but at the time it felt very refreshing before the Yeah, there was there was no movie like this when this movie came out like this kind of character this kind of strange you know just so such yeah. an odd thing to you know be like oh that is a weird scissor hand guy that's you know like a baby you know he's yeah. just not so it's just, uh, I mean, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I, I, um, it's, I think it still holds up. I saw it. I saw it. I guess I saw it like last year, like a bit of it, and yeah. I was like, ah, oh, I still, yeah, like it's this. still pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Seventeen. I still like the weird later. neighborhood of all the same houses. Like that's what all of like the valley in California looks like. Yeah, every, every neighborhood. Yeah, it feels like very a, suburban Florida, suburban call California. It a like, neighborhood. Yeah, where all the houses are the same, all the fences are the same, all the people are the same. <laughs> Uh, Last for me is a movie that doesn't hold up quite as well, but it does hold a special place in my heart, and that is Richard Donner's 1985 Lady Hawk. Um, This movie has a really odd, even sort of at the time, 80s synth score, and not in a cool, like, Carpenter synth way, in a kind of like, what the fuck are you doing, (laughs) 80s synth kind of way, but I still love this movie. This is one of the movies that, if you had HBO in the late 80s this movie was on all the time and you probably have seen this movie 700 times and if you're an actual Toonami viewer you're like what the hell is this movie Um, but this is Rugger Hauer playing uh, Captain Navarre who is a sort of disgraced captain of um, a military force and his love Michelle Pfeiffer and the deal is that they were in love and a bishop put an evil spell on them basically to where they can't, they're always, uh, the line is something like, 
cursed to always be together and forever apart or something like that. So he Rucker Hauer during the day is a human and at night turns into a wolf and Michelle Pfeiffer's the other way around and she's a hawk so that they at the sunset and sunrise every day they get to see each other for a brief second but basically they're never together. Um and Matthew Broderick plays a thief who is Philippe the Mouse Gaston and he basically becomes the go between between the, these two and they're trying to figure out a way to break the spell. And Rudger Hauer's convinced that if he goes and kills the bishop, that'll break the spell. Uh, and everyone else thinks that that's just going to seal their fate. So it's sort of tamping down Rudger Hauer's total bananas, 80s, thousand yard <laughs> stare. I'm going to kill everybody with Michelle Pfeiffer's sweetness and Matthew Broderick just playing 80s Matthew Broderick in a comedic sort of way. But uh, they do, other than the score, which feels really odd now, um, they do a good job of bouncing all the characters. Uh, the action feels a little slow at this point, um, but let's check out a scene from Lady Hawk and you can get the vibe between Rugger Hauer and Matthew Broderick. <laughs> I forgot to pick a different clip that didn't have Rugger Hauer in it at all. <laughs> no Rugger Hauer. Um, but uh, so Rugger Hauer is that wolf uh, when once he transforms, and uh, the older guy in there is the monk who uh, mistakenly betrayed them to the bishop, and it's kind of totally his fault that they got <laughs> fucked. So he's trying to do his best to make amends for that fact. Um, but those are some of my favorite fairy tales, Dennis. All right. So my uh, my I have three fairy tales here. Or fairy-ish tales. Um, the first one I have is uh, The NeverEnding Story. This is uh, 1984. Um, story of Bastion, a uh, young boy who's being bullied. He uh, runs into a bookstore, and he ends up coming out with a book called The NeverEnding Story. He takes it home to read in the attic, and this book magically transports him to the land of The NeverEnding Story. Um, basically, he becomes this hero, and the two worlds kind of Combine that go back and forth um, between Atreyu, the hero of the magical world, and Bastion, who is reading the story. And in the end, it's it, Bastion, you know, figures out that he needs to be this land needs him as a hero to survive. The nothing is coming and it's going to destroy the whole place unless you know, Bastion can figure out a way as Atreyu to. Um, to navigate this magical land and its crazy creatures. And there's some of the greatest um, practical puppet effects yeah, uh, so I've awesome. seen in, uh, ever. I would have picked uh, the never-ending story, but I thought it was kind of a dick move to ask Dennis to come and then also me pick first. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, this movie's... But um, yeah, let's have it. Let's take out a uh, clip of never-ending story. This is uh, when the nothing is coming, and this is uh, bad, scary times. This is might scare young children. That was the end of Fantasia. Only a few fragments of this once rich and beautiful world had been left by the nothing. Good old Falco. Can you see anything? Anything at all? No. All the land is gone. 
I think that's literally every kid's dream. It's like, oh, yeah, you get to go to this magical world and fly on a giant dog and be the hero. Of, you're like, okay, yeah, totally. Yeah. When that movie I mean, came out, everybody was just like. Just such a great mix of, you know, like live action and you just, you know, just it's just a, the story itself is just a great, you know, epic classic fairy tale. And uh, there's always there's a happy ending. And that's always good. <laughs> fairy tales. Yes. And uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, my next movie, another one of my great favorites, is uh, 2006 uh, Pan's Labyrinth. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, of so course. Um, that is the pale man back there. Um, so this uh, takes place in 1944 Spain. Um, a little girl named Ophelia is uh, with her mom and her tyrant of a uh, uh, stepfather. The mom and stepfather have moved. It's uh, during the war, and the, uh, the stepfather is like, a, I think he's a general or he's a commander, and he's trying to snuff out the resistance in this. Uh, small area and Ophelia is a bored child and wanders off and uh, starts exploring the area around where she lives and she runs into a fawn uh, named Pan who tells her that she needs to complete three tasks to, in order to become immortal she's a, a, apparently a princess and so she has to complete these three tasks to um, to gain her immortality so let's have a look at uh, Pan's Labyrinth <laughs> She barely escapes the pale man in that scene um, where she's not supposed to eat the forbidden fruit. The fairies try to stop her, but uh, the pale man's not having it. And then she draws a chalk line into her bedroom and escapes. So um, classic Del Toro, classic creepy monster. Uh, It's just a great movie all around. Um, Highly recommended. And then my last uh, fairy tale that I, it's a, Classic. Uh, this is uh, it's 1987's The Princess Bride, based on the William Goldwyn novel. Um, this movie uh, is some one of the most quoted movies, uh, probably of all time. That's um, you know, it's a love story. It's all about your true love, and um, the two you know the two lovers travel the land of Florin and they just kind of get into weird kind of situations and it's you know it's a it's a romantic comedy which isn't my thing what but set in this setting with the you know the sword fights and the in the comedy just kind of it does enough to kind of put it off of a straight up like you know boy meets girl boy falls in love with girl yeah happily ever after um let's have a look at the this I think I had the sword fight here um Probably a shorter, shorter version. I don't, I don't know what, how it ended up, but uh, here it is, Princess Bride. Sweet. I promise I will not kill you until you reach the top. That's very comforting, but I'm afraid you'll just have to wait. I hate waiting. I could give you my word as a Spaniard. No good. I've known too many Spaniards. Go there anyway, you'll trust me? Nothing comes to mind. I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya. You will reach the top alive. Throw me the rope. I'm shocked they haven't uh, awesome. made a, a sequel to this of some sort. Like Hollywood, these days, anything that was 
slightly profitable and or beloved has been remade. So yeah. I bet you there's a Princess Bride in the works somewhere. I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, those were excellent choices. Thank well done you, on your inaugural <laughs> favorites of Toonami Preflight. Uh, let's check out Adult Swim Facebook s- picks for their favorite <laughs> fairy tale movies. Uh, Willow, another amazing 80s uh, Maleficent. Oh, wow. Dark Crystal, which is a tough one to go back to at this point, but not, not impossible. Uh, Labyrinth and The Princess Bride. So uh, those are all strong choices. Adult Swim Facebook. Uh, if we want to check out some of Toonami Facebooks and see how the lists compare. Black Cauldron, Princess Bride, Never Ending Story, straight out of Dennis's brain, <laughs> legend, Spirited Away. Spirited Away, if we hadn't talked about so many other times, I think probably would have made the list. Yeah, uh, Legend ways. I almost considered, so... We, much like all the other topics, we got a long way to go before we're done with this pre-flight ride, so you can't <laughs> blow all your favorite fairy tales out right off the bat. Um, but, I like uh, the Black Cauldron as a classic choice. I mean, that no one's really yeah. picking the Black Cauldron these days. They're yeah. actually remaking the Black Cauldron is what I heard. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know. Yep. Nice. For the fourth time. I mean, they've animated it. They've Yeah, for the, all the iterations. making the uh, Black Cauldron over and over. Um, so now let's check out some sneak peeks uh, pushing to tomorrow night's Toonami broadcast. Up first, we have a topical for uh, episode number 21 of Dragon Ball Super. And I was talking a little fast, so now we got to stretch it out a little bit to when we cut back and then can show the promo. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to stretch it out. So this time uh, episode will be running tomorrow night at 1130. Uh, so let's check out this spot. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. Nothing annoys me more than uninvited guests. It's us five against all them? So no mercy! Let's do this. They're weaker than us, so don't hurt them more than you have to. You're pretty confident for a guy who doesn't remember where his fighting clothes are. Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 1130. I shall award any planet in the universe to whichever one of you can deal a fatal blow to this miserable maggot in orange. <laughs> Only Toonami on Adult Swim. And then we've got the talk for uh, Attack on Titan 7. Uh, we took a slight break a few weeks ago for the... Um, Memorial Day Marathon for Sam Jack, where you got to catch up on all the Sam Jack episodes. So we're a little bit off from where we originally thought we were going to be Attack on Titan-wise. Uh, but here's the topical for episode number seven. Let's check it out. On the next all-new episode of Attack on Titan, it's an all-out war as the scouts take on the colossal Titan, while Eren battles it out with the armored Titan. Mikasa tries to lend a hand, but it looks like the armored titan is just too strong. Can Eren find a way to come out on top, or is his titan form going to be his last? Get ready for a new episode of Attack on Titan, Saturday night at 12.30. Only two novels on Adult Swim. Psyched for continuing Uh, Attack on Titan. I love to murder those titans. (laughs) Uh, and then lastly, oh, not lastly, we have two more things. I apologize. Penultimately is uh, <laughs> our Lupin the Third trailer, which we premiered at our Momocon panel, which unfortunately Dennis was not able to come because we did not invite him because uh, we're dicks. <laughs> uh, but let's check out the Lupin trailer, which uh, will start next Saturday at 2 a.m. Uh, here's the promo. 
Lupin. Lupin! That man is a notorious thief who works all over the world! Let's go meet this treasure that's soon to be ours. Don't say that I didn't warn you. Stop that woman! You can't fool me. You're planning something again. Cheese Pops can't get anything past you. He'll steal your heart, and then he's coming for everything else. Loop on the third, premiering June 17th at 2. Take it off. That'll be my pleasure! Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Uh, Lupin, one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, so we're psyched to have Lupin coming Hell yeah. starting next Saturday. Uh, and just in case you're a little fuzzy on the whole lineup rundown, we made a new one of those promos as well. So we're chock full of new goodies. Uh, and let's check out the new lineup promo that will be effective next week and running probably Monday-ish. Let's, let's see. Time for Toonami. Release the Samurai, Cyborgs, and Saiyans. The night launches with Samurai Jack at 11. Then Dragon Ball Super battles at 11.30. It never ceases to amaze me how terribly you two get along. DBZ Guy keeps the brawl broiling at midnight. Brace for impact! Attack on Titan takes a bite out at 12.30. The flesh feast continues with Tokyo Ghoul at 1. These guys were weak, even for humans. Hunter Hunter gets heavy at 1.30. Sound good? New loop on the third steals our hearts at two. Oh no, he doesn't. Shippuden brings the ninjas at 2.30. Get back, shoot off! And celebrate Cyberpunk with Standalone at three. I do not find this funny. Tsunami, every Saturday from 11 to 3.30. Four and a half hours of pure cosmic bliss. And singles. <laughs> Um, so those are our sneak peeks. Hopefully we, uh, have all the lineup promos in its right place. We're a little fuzzy on the assets at this point, but I think by the time you're watching this, other than our performance, everything will be going smoothly (laughs) by then. Uh, next is segment near and dear to my own heart because it's me. And that is one man's trash where I do something dumb. Uh, and this week I'm playing prey. Uh, and I, I played Prey and I liked it. Uh, we played it on Game Humpers twice, um, and Jason didn't really like it. So I thought I would just really stick it in, <laughs> press it, turn it aside. Um, but now he's not here, so it's not as effective. Oh, right. Um, well, he'll still see it though, so and he'll was, still he'll still feel the pain. He's not going to see this. Um, <laughs> so what I was doing was going through and killing. All of the humans that are on the space station, you have a choice. Uh, the one thing, good thing about Prey, one of the good things about Prey is you can play it a couple of different ways and you're not really locked into one narrative play style. I killed them all um, right off the bat. Yeah, I just so, didn't even think about doing anything else. I was they hunting seemed, them all down. Some of them are a little more hidden than others. They seem infected to me and um, I just didn't like the way they were acting. Yeah, that, why is that guy looking at me like yeah, that? Yeah, don't look at me like that. Um, so other than having a slight... technical error where it crashed right as I was loading in actually getting the trophy 
Uh, I think everything went really well, so let's check out this episode of One Man's Trash. This week on One Man's Trash, I'm actually doing something really interesting and worthwhile. Breaking convention is in our blood. Just kidding. I'm playing Prey and killing everyone. <laughs> Prey is from the people who made Dishonored, but it's in space and takes place in the future. I like this game. It was fun. It's hard, but not stupidly so. Uh, once you get the hang of having to save a lot, it uh, really makes your life easier. You play as a scientist, Morgan Yu, and you're going to join your brother Alex on the space station Talos 1. Without spoiling too much, the shit hits the fan pretty early on, and you end up fighting the alien race, the Typhon, and simultaneously trying to piece together what's happening and what has happened in the past. There's a bunch of different people you meet, and they all need help in some way, but then they also offer you help in turn. You're the one person who showed me any real kindness. Unless you're like me and you just decide to kill them all. And get the trophy, I and it. I thought I was going to... <laughs> There's two kind of hard things about getting this trophy. The first is just finding all of the people. Uh, there's 42 in total that you have to kill. And the second part is over half of those people are mind-controlled. And the mind-controlled people are pretty difficult to kill. That's not 100% true. They're actually really easy to kill. The problem is you actually have to do the killing. It's not good enough for them to die. So if they get too close to you and explode or if the telepath who's controlling them kills them, or they wander into some flame, or just die of natural causes, it doesn't count. You have to be the one killing them. So it actually works better to stun them, and then go back and kill them real good. And I don't think that the people traveling on the shuttle count for or against you, but if you want a job done right, So after you kill about 36 people, I think it is, Steve Bloom, a.k.a. Dahl, shows up. You think I didn't know Dahl was coming? And if you've killed enough people, he actually gives you a side mission to go kill even more people, and that's when you know you're on the right track. I say, let's work together. And once you kill them, Dahl tries to double-cross you. But you saw that shit coming. Yes, bad news. You won't be flying back. And I don't know if it's random or if it was just slow in my game or what, but I thought I'd messed up because the quest didn't come right away. And so I just decided to finish out the game, and a couple of minutes went by and the quest actually does pop up. So, again, maybe it's just the random luck of the draw, but don't panic just in case. So once you kill the people Dahl once killed, and then go back and kill Dahl himself, that only leaves your brother Alex. We can make history, Morgan. And of course I killed Alex in a really funny way, and my trophy for Ionit popped up, along with one called Push the Fat Man, which seems like a meanly named trophy for killing Alex. But my capture software crashed, and I actually don't have the record of it. I just have me scrolling through the trophy list, and you can see it's unlocked. Which is kind of a bummer, because the only satisfying thing is seeing that pop up. Which actually, in turn, makes this possibly the best or most one-man's trash ever. If you have something fun or dumb for me to do in a video game, let me know on Twitter at StupidGill, and I'll check it out. Thanks! Well done, me. Hell yeah. That's um, a lot of murders. So, you're going to have to take my word for it. I actually did get the trophy, even though it didn't show up. But even I though there's no digitized uh, shot of the trophy. Later on. So, that's just sometimes the way it goes when uh, you're doing everything yourself and you're flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, so lastly, for this episode of pre-flight, we're going to talk about 
Adult Swim Singles, which is in its second week. Uh, started last week, and this week there are two tracks. Up first is Miha. So let's check out a short snippet of that, and you can uh, stream the whole thing on our SoundCloud or at adultswim.com slash singles. And then the next track for this week, there's two tracks. Not every week there's going to be. There's 52 there's weeks, 52 weeks of singles. That's insane. But there's more than 52 songs because Jason <laughs> decided he wasn't hosing everyone who works on Adult Swim singles quite enough. Uh, so sometimes you get a little bonus track, which is all good news for you. Uh, the other track this week is Clams Casino and Ghost Mains Kali Yuga. Uh, so let's check that out as well. The graphic says 52 weeks, 52 tracks, but I don't think that math's right. I think Sean's going to have to change 52 that. 52 weeks, at 72 some point. tracks. Um, I don't think we want to get into the nitty gritty math tracks and are locked there. into a specific number. But all I know, I'm pretty is sure, that some weeks getting... there's not going to be zero, so it's probably going to be more than 52 tracks. But uh, I think the legal legal indemnification at the bottom of the screen should be enough for everyone. Singles is blowing up. Yeah. It's so adultsum. slash singles. Check it out. And check out Toonami tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. And Dennis, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today. You did Thanks a masterful for job. Well great done, time. Sir. And uh, we're out. So we'll see you next week. Maybe with Dennis. Uh, Maybe I'll, not. I'll what are you here. doing? Uh, how, do you want to just rack up some more frequent Should I just fly in? Yeah. Come down? Just yeah, be anytime. Just let me agent. know. All I right. will come in here and uh, gladly uh, talk to Toonami folks. Nice. Well, thank you. And uh, right. thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Tsunami every Saturday night from 11 to 3:30.